You're listening to Talk Talk. Talk Talk. In this edition of Talk Talk, we will explore if it is in principle possible to measure anything accurately. How does a measurement change the value that you want to measure? Listen to find out. Here in front of me I've got a cup of hot water and over here I've got a thermometer and now I'm putting the thermometer into the glass. I have to wait a bit for the thermometer reading to adjust. For our listeners it's a digital thermometer with a metallic probe. You use similar thermometers to measure the inside temperature of a cake to check if it's finished baking. Now the temperature is slowly climbing and leveling off. We have a reading of 76.2 degrees centigrade. Uh, I can see it's fluctuating a little bit here, now it's 76.1. Of course we have to be a little bit careful here because the temperature reading is from the side of the glass. The center is much warmer. And let's steer the water a little bit. Okay, now we're up to 82.5 degrees. Well, we could agree that we want to measure the average temperature of the water so we have to stir the water. But this would of course increase also the cooling rate. But then there is the problem that we're measuring the value of something that's continually changing as the water cools down. Um, so that is, of course, that makes the reading a little bit more difficult. What we could try to do is we could try to insulate the water from its colder environment by placing it into a styrofoam container. But there's a problem. We first have to bring up the temperature of the container to the same temperature as the water. Otherwise, the colder container will cool down the water. The insulating container will prevent the cooling of the water. But first, the container has to assume the same temperature as the water. So what do we need to do? We need to determine the temperature of the container as well and we must heat it up appropriately. And now the situation becomes even worse because of course the thermometer itself also has a certain temperature. And by sticking the thermometer into the water, like I've done right now, I've actually already changed the temperature of the water. Every measurement changes the thing that we want to measure. So we could of course try to compensate this error mathematically, but for that we have to know the exact temperature of the thermometer that we're using. So we need another thermometer to measure the temperature of the first thermometer. But then this measurement would of course change the temperature of the first thermometer just like the temperature would change the temperature of the water. So what are we doing? We're pushing the problem out. We're not really solving it. We could make the mass of the water very large compared to the mass of the thermometer. If we use a large amount of water and also a large thermometer, then we do not gain anything. And you can imagine if, it, if we attempt to use a very large thermometer to measure the temperature of a drop of water, well, then the thermometer would influence the temperature of the drop more than the drop the thermometer. And that's what we call the observer effect. When we observe something, we end up changing the thing that we observe. Besides temperature measurement, there are other examples as well. In my younger days, for example, I used to play around with electronics a lot. I liked to assemble radios and other electronic gadgets. I bought myself a nice voltmeter to measure voltage, resistance and current of electrical circuits. The only problem was that the device, being electronic itself, influenced the object that I wanted to measure. It influenced the circuit. The ampere meter measured the current flowing through the cable, but the device of course consumed some of this current itself, so it changed the current that I wanted to measure. 
Of course, manufacturers try to keep this effect small, but the effect still exists. The current measured must be substantially larger than the current consumed by the measurement device. And now the issue starts to become interesting when we want to measure the position and velocity of very, very small objects. For example, how can we determine the position and speed of the movement of a quantum particle, such as an electron? For measuring very small objects, we need to have very small measuring devices. So we need a second particle, a photon, which is a light particle, that we can use as a probe. We need to shoot this photon at the particle that we want to measure, which is our target electron. The photon will interact with the electron and the photon will be deflected, it will bounce off, it will be re-emitted by the electron. If we now measure the deflected photon, then we will gain some information about the nature of the electron. But again there is a problem. The photon that we shot at the electron has changed the position and movement of the electron. So we are again losing some information here. And there is also a second question. Well, how do we measure the deflected photon? Well, maybe you've already guessed it. We need to let this photon interact yet with another particle. So we are again encountering a similar problem. We're pushing out the problem. Now, there is an interesting practical use to the observer effect. It is possible to encode messages using so-called quantum cryptography. When an encrypted message is passed from person Alice to person Bob and a third person, an outside intruder, tries to intercept and read the secret message, then the message is instantaneously modified and changed. The reading of the transmitted message requires a measurement of the message and this measurement changes the message. The communicating parties, Alice and Bob, will then be able to know that somebody tried to eavesdrop on their communication because the message is not readable anymore. So far I've mentioned the measurement of temperature, of current and of particles. But the observer effect is not only limited to physics. Imagine a zoologist who wants to study the behavior of wild animals in their natural environment. The animals will not behave naturally anymore when they sense the presence of an observer, of an intruder. The more closely the zoologist wants to study the animals, the closer he has to come to the animals and the less naturally they will behave. Something similar also exists in the social sciences. Here it is called the Hawthorne effect in psychology. The Hawthorne effect states that the observed people will not behave naturally if they know that somebody observes them. Sometimes I like to give extreme examples to make the point clear. Imagine a company boss telling his employees the following. Today we will investigate how often you play computer games during your work time. This is an entirely scientific study. It will not impact on your salary. Please behave normally and play as frequently as always. Well, of course, you cannot expect any meaningful outcome from this study. Even if the employees do not have to face negative consequences, they will stop playing computer games. And I can give you one last example. Sometimes I run diagnostic software on my computer. These are special programs that check the performance of my computer. They check how much memory the computer uses, the speed of the computer and so on. 
The program that diagnoses my computer, however, also consumes some of these resources. The program, while monitoring my computer, also changes the performance of the computer. It uses some memory. It slows my computer down. So we are again changing the thing that we want to measure. So what is the moral of the story? Why am I telling you all of that? I just wonder now whether we can generally ever know the true nature of things. Every time when we observe something, we change the thing that we observe. But then I guess it's a question that our measurements and observations just have to be good enough for our purposes. When I measure my body temperature to check for fever, I'm not really worried about the fact that the cold thermometer cools down my armpits and will therefore give me a lower reading. Now that effect is very small indeed. Now I'm checking again the thermometer of my water glass. I can see that the thermometer is now reading 71.5 degrees. So the temperature did drop again a little bit. What does this tell us? Tells us that it's time for a little quote again. And this one is from Johann Kasper Lavatar. He was a Swiss philosopher and a priest of the 17th century. And he said the following, quote, He alone is an acute observer who can observe minutely without being observed. You can listen to more episodes at www.toktalk.net. That's www.toktalk.net. My name is Oliver Kim, and I wish you a nice day.